It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. <laughs> You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 231, and today we are talking about books being released on October 22nd, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello! Hello! Hi! It's good to be back. Yes! I know, it's, it's been a while. It has. Um, but and yet, it's been like no time at all. Yeah, it feels. I just realized the last time I did this with you, I was like just moving to Portland, and now I actually live in Portland. And yeah, that's been no time at all. It's exciting though. But October is almost over. I know. Uh, I can't believe it. I am that like annoying Californian that is walking around the Pacific Northwest, gawking at all of the pretty leaf colors because I've never seen them, or I mean, not for an extended period of time. Really? And now they're all starting to fall, <laughs> so I'm like, no, 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 stay. I would like to see you longer. Like October, don't go. But it's obviously about to be. Oh well. Wow. Yeah, I, I never think about like I live in Maine, where we have pretty much everything going on all the time. You know, we have like. <laughs> snow and ocean and beach and there's a little bit of a desert and there's mountains and like we have everything so i've That's, seen it all i have definitely not like southern california has a lot but definitely not the seasons thing so i am fairly positive that i don't own anything appropriate in the way of outerwear or shoes so if i slip and eat it in the next couple weeks you'll know why <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're gonna want to fix that yeah i'll get on that <laughs> I do, but it's, it's funny because every year I'm like, I hate the cold. I don't like being in the snow. Why do I live here? Like, every year. And then in the summer I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Live all the way up Okay. There. Because I, I just, I, I'm not an outdoor person, really, at all. Um, maybe because I read, maybe I'm not an outdoor person because I read so much. I mean, I've always read so much <laughs> since I was little. Maybe that's why I'm not an outdoor person. Like, I never really spent a lot of time outside because I wanted to be reading all the time. You know, maybe if I hadn't spent so much time reading, yep. I'd be like, you know, I, I'd be like one of those St. Bernards with like a little, you know, barrel around my neck and I'd go find people in the snow. I don't know. But like, <laughs> I just stay inside. Um, so I super enjoyed your episode last week, by the way, where like you were talking about how you read books and your answer is always like, I just, it's because I don't leave my house. I don't have a different answer for you. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's, I wish I had it. Like people really want you to say like. The secret to reading fast is eating is, chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just not. Wave I mean, a shiny stick. And you're like, no, I just, yeah. <laughs> I sit here and I yeah. read. Yeah. Well, before I tell you about my first pick, which I'm so excited about, I'm going to tell you about today's sponsor. It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I am delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. 
we're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. Okay, so I cannot believe it's time to talk about this book. I feel like I've been waiting to talk about this book for years now. Um, and I'm going to do it. Here I go. I'm so excited. Uh, my first pick today is All This Could Be Yours by Jamie Attenberg, which is one of my favorite novels of the year. It's so good. It's about the Tuckman family. They are they are like a broken snow globe of a family. Um, they do not put the fun in dysfunction. Uh, the head of the family is Victor. He is a horrible, horrible man. There's like no getting around it. That's the, the point of this. Victor is a terrible tyrant. Uh, he's abusive. He's greedy. He's just, he's, a, he's just awful. He's an awful guy. He always has been. He's kind of like Logan Roy and Perry Knight, or what was his name? Perry Wright, uh, from Big Little Lies, like combined together. Uh, he's just an awful, awful man. And he's just always ruled over this family, being terrible to everyone. Um, and now he's in a coma. <laughs> no one is upset about this. Uh, and he has two children with his wife, Barbara, Alex and Gary. And so Barbara lets the kids know, you know, your father's in a coma. Um, they're living in New Orleans now. And so Alex, the daughter, decides, you know, she's going to go down there uh, even though she doesn't know how she feels about what's going on, and she doesn't know how she feels about her father because she's not had a great relationship with him. He's been very terrible towards her. Um, she wants some answers, and she wants some accountability from her mother, Barbara, who kind of just stood by and let all this happen. Uh, first of all, she wants to know why they moved. They've recently moved to New Orleans, and you know, they were living in this great, amazing, giant place, and they moved to this little tiny condo in New Orleans. She wants to know why that happened. She wants to know why her mother let him behave the way that he did, why she married him, why she stayed with him. She has all these questions. Now, Gary, her brother, is out in Los Angeles. He's trying to make it in the film industry, and he also had a horrible relationship with Victor, his father. Uh, he's trying to come to terms with this as he hears about, like, his dad is ill and he's probably going to die. Um, and he doesn't really know how he feels about this, but... He keeps delaying, like, he's supposed to go and visit, except he keeps delaying it and delaying it and delaying it. Or, and, you know, his sister's like, when are you going to get here? You know, he's, he's not going to be much longer. And, you know, he, he's, he can't bring himself to get on the plane. Um, and Gary's wife, Twyla, is possibly having a breakdown. Um, you know, she's had some difficulties in her marriage with Gary. Uh, you know, they have children. The Victor's relationship, like most grandparents' relationships with their children, uh, with their grandchildren, I should say, is a little different. Um, you know, they're not quite as aware of what a terrible person he is. Uh, you know, they, but the adults all have an idea. Um, so the book is told in flashbacks. It's told from different perspectives. You get kind of like an idea of what's going on now, but also like how he was, how, you know, he met Barbara. Um, it basically just, it examines a toxic abuser and his effect on those around him. Um, it has an ending that had me like, like John Bender fist pump in the air, like woohoo! Um, you know, there's a couple of like little reveals 
as you go along. But then at the end, there's a couple of like quick rabbit punches to the chest, which are just so great. Um, you know, all this could be yours is a, is a searing indictment of familial obligation that asks what we really owe each other. You know, if you're related to someone, do you have to spend time with them? Do you have to care about them? Do you have to have any contact with them? You know, if they're a terrible person. You know, Jamie Attenberg sort of short, sort of, I can't talk, sort of shows life in black and white. You know, there are bad things and good things, but, you know, she's really great at those gray areas that have teeth. You know, everyone makes bad choices. Everyone makes excuses. Everyone makes bad decisions. You know, it's just part of being human. So it's so good. It's just so good. I really hope someone snatches this right up for like a limited series. It would be so great. Um, you know, trigger warnings uh, for physical and emotional abuse. Uh, if it's something, that's something you're sensitive to. Um, so that is All This Could Be Yours by Jamie Attenberg. It's so amazing. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I haven't read Jamie Attenberg. So I, I know. <laughs> so, You're in for a treat. I know. I, I just got this the other day. So <laughs> I'll be reading Yay. it too. Okay. Well, I will go with my next pick or my first pick, eh, um, which is Last of Her Name by Mimi Locke. I believe that's how that's pronounced. I searched for a long time. Uh, it oh, I loved this book. It's a collection of short stories with a novella at the end. And the stories are all a little bit linked. They're about Chinese people around the world. And it's sort of a look at loneliness and connection in the diaspora. The, the stories them are each, oh, they're just so absorbing. And they, yeah, they take a look at what it's like to feel a little bit out of place in the, in the space that you occupy and what it's like to try to establish connection with the people in your immediate surroundings and whether or not that's, you know, an easy thing to do. The first story is one of my favorites. It's about, it, well, it flashes back and forth between the life of a young girl in the 80s in England and her mom's story, which goes back to the 1940s in Hong Kong. Her mom is going, is living essentially through the Japanese um, attack on, on Hong Kong during the, the war. And the daughter is sort of just living life in the 80s. And the way it flashes back and forth between the two, like the, the young daughter describes growing up being really obsessed with these, you know, it's basically like kung fu movies. So she talks about kung fu fighting with her teenage friends and her mom just yelling out the window, like, just just don't go for the head. Like, you can kick each other, but just don't don't give each other concussions, basically. But so the way she discusses those like particular fond memories, plus the flashbacks to how her mother developed her strength it's, it's, I don't want to like give away the plot of the story, but it, I just, uh, it, the, the flashes are just so perfectly timed and the ending gave me the, the similar like fist pumpy feeling is what you were describing. Um, there are just, it's just an interesting cast of characters. You'll, we meet a, like an elderly housebreaker, like a woman who she's homeless and she breaks into a very rich man's home. But then while she's in there and somehow manages to evade his notice, even though she's living in his closet, she can't stand the way he lives his life. And so she starts to do funny things like pick up after him and uh, while he's not paying attention. Um, there's, oh, it just, it, again, it flashes all the way from like modern California to the the war to, it, there's, it goes all over the place. Again, just sort of taking a look at what it's like for uh, people that have been affected by the diaspora and what it's like to try to establish connection in a world that increasingly though connected often doesn't feel so 
Um, so it's, oh, it's just so good. It's got so much love and longing in it. And also these really funny little moments. It's, oh, it was just so pleasant to read. I want to read more of her. This is her debut. So I'm really excited to see what else she comes up with. So that is Last of Her Name by Mimi Locke. All right. So I'm very excited about my next pick. I mean, I'm always excited about all my picks, but um, this one came out on October 1st and I did not get to it in time. If I had, it would have been my favorite book that came out that day. Uh, also, it's a really scary pick, so it's perfect for Halloween season. It is called The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher. So, so good. Uh, I, I'm so excited to talk about this. You'll probably have to be like, okay, that's enough. Stop. Like, okay, we get it. Uh, so this is about a woman named Mouse. Mouse is not her actual name. It's her nickname. But uh, she's in her mid-30s. She's a freelance editor. She's just gone through a bad breakup. And so when her dad calls and says, you know, your grandmother who died last month, she was like 99, uh, she uh, was a horrible, 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 nasty woman um, that Mouse did not have a lot of contact with after, like, her, after she graduated. Um, her dad calls and says, your grandmother's house is sitting in empty and something needs to be done with it. Like, the power is off, the phone's been disconnected, um, we need to figure out, you know, what to do with the house. Like... Could you go clean it out, and whatever you find, you can sell, and you can have the money, and whatever, and then if we, we, we sell the house, you know, we can split the profit. And so Mouse is like, sure, you know, like, something to take her mind off her breakup, and something to do. Um, forgetting that, like, her grandmother lives way out in the woods of North Carolina with not much around. Um, you know, so she gets there. She arrives with her dog, Bongo. Bongo is amazing. Now, I have to tell you, I read the back of this book, and it's like... So she sets off with her dog, and I immediately went to Goodreads, and I was like, somebody here has to know the answer to the question that I'm going to ask, and that is, does the dog die? No, the dog does not die. She actually mentions in the book, like, the fifth or sixth page or something, like, as she's telling the story of what happens to her while she's at her grandmother's house, she's like, you know, as he lays across my feet right now, and I'm like, okay. She basically, I think, said that because everyone's going, oh, I don't know if I can keep going if something's going to happen to the dog. So nothing happens to the dog. Uh, so she takes Bongo, who is just the greatest, and heads off to North Carolina, goes to her grandmother's house. Like I said, her grandmother was a horrible, nasty woman, like, just a terrible woman. Like, called people to laugh at them when their dogs died, like, just an awful person. And it turns out, a hoarder. She gets to her grandmother's house, she can barely get inside, it's packed with everything that she's ever had in her entire life. She saves everything, she's got a, a big room full of nothing but newborn dolls, like, thousands of them newspapers, corks from every bottle of wine she ever drank, just all the stuff everywhere. And she had no idea it was going to be this bad. Like, Mouse had no idea. So she's like, well, you know, I could just leave or, you know, I could try, you know, cleaning this up. Let's see what happens. So she finds her step-grandfather's room as she's cleaning, and it's empty. It's the only empty room in the house. It's, like, set up like he used to stay in there. And so she's like, well, this is where I'll set up. You know, I'll sleep in here. And she's cleaning, and she goes to bed, like, the first night, uh, and she gets out her e-reader, but there's, like, no power, and she forgot to download any books, so she has nothing to read, so she finds this diary in her step-grandfather's, like, dresser drawer. Like, he's been gone for, for many, many years. Um, and she finds this diary, and it's bananas. He's, like, talking about someone stealing a book from him, a book that was very important, that he needed and he talks about how he lives in this house with this terrible woman uh, because um, her step-grandfather was named Cotgrave 
And Mouse remembers that, like, his wife, her grandmother, was never nice to him. And, you know, thinking back on it, she's like, why was he here? He talks about, like, how she sort of protects him from whatever's going on. And she doesn't... And then he keeps repeating this phrase over and over. He writes it over and over again. I made faces like the faces on the rocks, and I twisted myself like the twisted ones, and I lay down on the ground like the dead ones. And he writes this many, 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 many times. And she's thinking, like... Poor Cockgrave, you know, he must have just been, like, had dementia. You know, he, she said he just was losing it there at the end. You know, he talks about how he came over from Wales and where he used to live. And these things sort of followed him. And she doesn't really know what's going on. But, like, whatever. You know, so she's, like, reading this. She goes to bed. She continues cleaning. And then one day she's walking with Bongo in the woods, which there is a lot of. And she sees some weird stuff. And now, so, essentially, you're going for, like, a hundred or so pages. And it's basically, it's in the first person. It's just Mouse talking to herself, talking about what she sees. And it's, it's it goes by so quickly. It's so compelling. Like, like uh, Kingfisher writes Mouse just so wonderfully that you don't even notice. Like, she's just talking about, basically, the dog. Uh, she says really funny things about the dog. Um, she keeps putting, like, she hopes her vet isn't reading this, like, whenever she feeds the dog something that she shouldn't, like, people food. Um, and it's just, like, you just see, like, the sights and sounds that she's seeing. But also, you hear about the sights and sounds that she's seeing that we, the reader, know are not good or going to be what she actually thinks that they are. And so, you're sort of, like, just a state of anticipation the whole time. I heard about this book from a horror blogger. I don't know why everyone isn't talking about this book. Um, I saw it on Instagram. And the horror blogger, I can't remember who it was, but they said, you know, it, it's so scary. I couldn't read it in the, in the middle of the night. Like, I couldn't read it at night. I had to read it during the daylight. And I was like, oh, okay. So, like, I'm reading this, and I know that something like that's going to happen. And so the anticipation is so, so great. And then when it finally got to some of the things, I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And just, like, had to put it down. I was like, yes, this is for daylight. Because there is some really creepy stuff going on. Um, if you like to spend a lot of time in the woods... Take your dog for walks. This might not be the book for you. Um, if you're worried about things in your house or things looking in your window, also not the book for you. Um, but it's just an incredibly funny, suspenseful novel. I had such a great time with it. Uh, and also, T. Kingfisher is actually the pen name of Ursula Vernon, whose name you might recognize. She writes the Dragon Breath series, the Princess Hamster series. Uh, I have one of her other books here, Castle Hangnail. I haven't read it yet, but sounds amazing. So those are her middle grade novels, so she sort of changed her name up, I'm assuming, because this is not for children. Um, but it is scary, and it is awesome. It is The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher. I desperately want to be a person that reads scary things, because they sound so good, and then I get scared and <laughs> I run away. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's, it's been a couple times this year. It's been a long time since I had a book that I had to, like, sit down and be like, mm, I'm going to wait till the lights are on. <laughs> Um, I, you know, it doesn't usually, maybe I'm just getting soft in my old age. I don't know, but <laughs> this one definitely. Oh, it sounds good though. We'll see. Maybe I'll be less of a weenie one day and just read it in the daylight. Yeah. Okay. Well, my next pick is a YA fantasy that I super enjoyed. It is Fireborn by Rosaria Munda. It is described as Game of Thrones meets Red Rising. So I was like, yes, I'll do that. Like I've been, uh, I guess, dragon deficient in my reading lately. So I was excited to read it. It's pretty great. So uh, Annie and Lee, I think that's his name. Yes, Lee. Annie and Lee are two orphans who grew up together and they are living in a world post 
big giant uprising revolution before the revolution they both traveled in very different circles but would still manage to be friends she is lowborn whereas lee was from an elite class of dragon riders that the dragon riders are folks who you know rode dragons were sort of the cream of the crop as far as the social classes and of course a lot of privilege comes with that but one day Essentially, yeah, an uprising occurs and the dragon riders are shot down. So Lee's father is killed and Annie's entire family also um, perishes in the war. So they are now, they find themselves in the same orphanage. Seven years later, they have gotten to know each other even better. They're still friends and they're now living in a situation where there is no, there are no, I should say, social classes. It's kind of been, the score has been evened. And uh, they are, they have been training this entire time to now be dragon riders, because that is a situation or position that's now open to anybody who essentially trains and qualifies via a test. So it's now based on merit and not through, you know, your bloodline privilege. But another uprising occurs when some folks from that old regime come back and say, like, not this, this is ours, like, we want it back. And it's, it's very quick when, that all of this kind of part happens and you're just sucked in from here on out with all of the, like, political intrigue and, the, you know, there's a lot of it kind of throws into the question sort of what you were talking about with your first pick about like, what is, what do we really owe the people we're related to or are the families that we're born into? Is there, or should there be any loyalty if those people happen to be terrible human beings versus the family that we've chosen or found? And Annie and Lee, who are both fighting for the top spot in the Dragon Riders while all of this is happening, are just forced to make some some really difficult decisions. See, I was sucked in from the very beginning. It's been a while since a book did that to me. And I was so jazzed just to read this really like fun, fast-paced book with a lot of mm, like fun feelings. And it is the first in a series. I think I don't remember if it's a duology or if it's more than that, but there's definitely more to come. Um, and then fun little fact is that the writer, Mazaria Munda, she was a political like science and strategy major at, I think, Princeton or Stanford, but she says that she loosely based the world on like Plato's Republic. <laughs> I was like, well, you managed to make that a lot more interesting than I would have assumed because that didn't necessarily sound like it would be my bag. But yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> so that is Fireborn by Rosaria Munda. All right. I really wanted to read that one, but I saw that you had picked it and I was like, oh, I'll read it later at some point with all the 800 million other books that I hope to read at some point. Um, but I am excited. I heard nothing but good things about that one. Well, I so stole my... it from Maria Christina, by the way. So oh. <laughs> it came out last what? week. Forgot to mention that. Yeah. This book also came out last week. Um, I can read a lot of books, but sometimes I cannot read all the books. And so I have to save some for the newsletter. So I'm going to talk about this one that I talked about in the newsletter last week because I loved it. And I just love this whole series. Um, the... Rick Riordan uh, Presents series. They're just all so great. And this is the newest one. It is Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky by Kwame Mbalia. It is a fantastic middle-grade fantasy based on West African gods and African-American folklore. It's about a seventh grader named Tristan Strong. He is having a really hard time. He has lost his best friend, Eddie, in a bus crash. Uh, that Tristan himself was also a part of, and he's blaming himself, like, he thinks he should have saved Eddie. Um, and he has also lost his first boxing match. His father and his grandfather are boxers, and now he feels like he's letting them down because he lost his match. And he's just having a really hard time. 
So his parents decide to send him to his grandparents' farm. Uh, unfortunately, this is where his grandfather uh, is. His grandfather is very hard on him, but his, he loves his grandmother, who who is very kind. Um, and so he's just having a really rough year. Uh, and he takes Eddie's journal with him. Eddie, his friend who died in the bus accident, um, he has his journal. And we know that, like, some magic-y kind of stuff is going on from, like, the very first page, I believe. Because Eddie's journal glows. Uh, and it's full of stories that they like to talk about, like, about West African gods. And it's just the only thing that he has from him. Um, but the first night that that Tristan is at his grandparents' farm, he catches this, like, creature coming in that steals the journal. Um, and he chases it, doesn't know what it is, and he doesn't really have time to think about, like, the fact that he's chasing some kind of monster thing, you know, across the the grounds, like, before he, he kind of gets in a fight and punches a tree, like you do. Um, and it opens into another world. Like, you know, that happens all the time. Um, and so he and this creature fall into this world in the tree, which is he finds out is called Mid-Pass, where he meets John Henry, Br'er Fox, and uh, the creature that he was chasing turns out to be Gum Baby. Uh, they are figures from African-American folklore, um, and they are there in this mid-pass world uh, fighting the Fetterlings, which are these terrible creatures that are causing chaos um, in, in the land. And they need Tristan's help. Tristan is going to, to you know, help them fight these creatures uh, and try and close the hole in the sky, but also figure out like how to get home. Um, and so all of this, of course, is an analogy for his own feelings of helplessness and weakness and the grief that he's experiencing. Um, and it's just, it's so fun and just fast-paced. Um, I absolutely loved it. So I'm just, like I said, I'm such a fan of this series that Rick Riordan is doing. Um, there was Arusha and Stormrunners and Dragon Pearl. Um, Rebecca Roanhorse has one coming out in January. Uh, all of the books in this series have been fantastic, uh, including this one, Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky by Kwame Mbalia. That is another series I've been meaning to get to. This is just one of those days. Okay, so my next pick is God Save the Queens by Kathy Yandley, which I did on audio. And if you are an audiobook person, I'm just going to throw in right now that the narrator, um, Kathy Yandley, does do the intro, but it's Bonnie Turpin that does the rest of it. She is amazing. So I talked about the book a little bit in audiobooks in the newsletter, and I talked about having stopped it because I didn't realize initially that it was written by a white woman, and God Save the Queens is an essential history of women in hip-hop. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, I just really wish that a black woman would have got to tell this story. But... Second thought, I took some time to read up a little bit more about her, and the author ha does have kind of a long history writing specifically and working in hip-hop. She's written for tons of great, like, urban kind of media sources, and she seems to know what she's talking about, so I dropped my initial judgment and kind of kept going, and I, I did really enjoy it. Uh, Bonnie Turpin's narration definitely helped, <laughs> I'll say that. But so God Save the Queens takes a look at, yeah, the history of hip-hop and how women have just, <laughs> in a shocking turn of events been not given their due and sort of just, you know, pushed under the mat and, and not given credit for all of the 
breakthroughs that they made in this, you know, amazing musical genre. She goes all the way back to the beginning. So there were admittedly tons of names that I definitely did not recognize, had never even heard of, like the tiniest bit. But then she does, you know, talk about Money Love and and The Brat and Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown, like people that I remember listening to when I was like the seventh or eighth grade and probably had no business doing so. But she does bring that forward all the way to talking about the, you know, Cardi B and the Nicki Minaj and that it actually ends talking about this up and coming rapper named Megan the Stallion. So for any of you uh, hip hop heads out there, she is, you know, hot girl summer. And it's, it's just a, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a history that goes back to the very beginning and kind of line by line, person by person gives you the blow by blow about how many women were doing the hip hop thing long before some of those bigger buzzier names that I just mentioned and how little if any credit they've been given for doing that as well as also throwing in a little bit about Kathy Andley's actual career working uh, writing about hip hop and how she was you know there was a lot of, of criticism that came her way or and that criticism maybe not even be the right word she was just treated pretty terribly on the basis that she was a woman let alone you know a white woman talking about hip hop but she knows her stuff. It was, it was, I learned a lot. I have, there's a lot of artists that you're going to want to go back and listen to. And there's going to be tons of pieces of information that make you go, wait, what? <laughs> like people that get credit for movements or styles and the hip hop scene in the Bronx, for example, is constantly credited to, I think, DJ Cool Herc. And a little tidbit is that he, the whole reason that the big party that he threw that sort of thought to have put Bronx hip hop on the Mac map the reason that went down is because his younger sister wanted clothes for school. And so she came up with the idea to have this party charge people for it and then for him to DJ. But it was his career that sort of blew up after that um, for a variety of reasons. But, oh, it was it was really great. I really appreciated learning a lot more about some of the women that I've been listening to for a very long time and about tons that I hadn't listened to but need to go back and add to my catalog. So that is God Save the Queens by Kathy Yandele, which I do very much recommend on audio. All right. I have that around here somewhere. Not on audio, but I do have it. But my last pick, I kind of, like, if I was going to listen to an audiobook, because I still have never listened to an audiobook, mm-hmm. um, I think it might be, this would, like, definitely be at the top of my list of contenders. Yes. Um, which reminds me, uh, I don't, well, I don't like to talk smack about people, but, like, as you can imagine, um, we get a lot of email here uh, from people saying like please talk about my book on the show and here's a book that you should know about and we also get these um sort of blanket uh requests from from people and from publicists and stuff and that's kind of like how you know that they're just generic because I got one a couple weeks ago that was like dear liberty I love all the books and I love listening to it and I love when you talk about audiobooks that you love and I would love for you to talk about this audiobook from this pod. I was like, yeah, this person doesn't listen to the show because I've never listened to an audiobook. Um, it just made me laugh, made me think of that. Anyway, so uh, this book is Me by Elton John. Uh, it is Elton John's memoir that came out last week. There were no galleys of this because why Why did you need one? You know, it's Elton John. Um, when I was at Neba a couple weeks ago, which is like a week before it came out, they had a big cardboard standee of him that you could take your photo with. And they had, like, one copy of the book standing next to it. And, um, like, I'm still standing. Uh, anyway, but 
I was like, oh, I want to look at that book, but I didn't. But then I found out after that it wasn't even, like, an actual copy of the book. It was just the jacket, like, on another book because, like, nobody had them anywhere that anyone could touch them until they came out. Um, and because it's Elton John. Um, I have to say, I was reading this list the other day, I think somewhere on Twitter maybe, that was like, here are the year's most popular Halloween costumes, like what they were hearing from people, like what they were going to dress up as, uh, and they were like, you know, this and that, and Elton John from Rocket Man, and I was like, mm, is he though? I think he's just Elton John, <laughs> like, I don't think he's from Rocket Man, um, which made me laugh, uh, but yes, so this is Elton John's, so he's 72, this is his first memoir, which is like amazing when you think about it. He went all this time without writing a book or, or participating in having a book written about him. This is his very first memoir, and supposedly his only memoir. He's like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Um, and so it's sort of like a larger-than-life look at a man who has lived, you know, larger-than-life. Um, you know, he was born Reginald Dwight. He was a very shy boy who lived in the London suburbs. Um, and he played piano. Like, he was amazing at piano from a very young age. Uh, he could just hear anything and then play it on the piano, um, which is just, you know, an amazing talent to have. Uh, Paul McCartney also has that talent. And the last I heard, he, like, Paul McCartney can't read music, which is amazing when you think about it. Um, he just does everything, like, by ear. Um, but it talks about, like, Elton John, you know, learning piano and meeting Bernie Taupin, which is an amazing story. Um, because they have such an incredible working relationship. You know, Bernie writes the songs, Elton, you know, sings and, and plays them. Um, and they were actually just randomly set up together at an audition. Like, the, it was just, like, drawing names, and the two of them were paired together, and, and that was it, which is just a crazy, crazy meeting. Um, but he also talks about, like, you know, the wild 70s becoming, like, one of the biggest stars of rock and roll at a very young age. Um, you know, he had, he had substance abuse problems. He talks about getting clean, talks about coming out, um, getting married, uh, becoming a father. He dishes gossip on a lot of celebrities, not like, not nothing mean. There's nothing mean spirited. Um, and he doesn't really say anything too harsh about anybody. You get the impression that he doesn't like a couple of people. Um, but mostly he saves all the barbs for himself. There is a lot of self-deprecation. Um, he knows that he's been a diva. He knows that he was known for having temper tantrums. Um, and, you know, he, he makes a lot of jokes at his own expense. Tells a lot of silly stories. Uh, some that he doesn't even remember. Just, like, that he heard secondhand how he behaved after. Um, but, like, this is close to 50 years of a career. And, you know, 72 years of a life. So it's one book. He can only fit so much in it. Um, you know, so you're not going to get everything but according to him we're not really going to get any more um but it's enough it's it's so much fun uh you know diehard fans might be disappointed a tiny bit if you're in it to read about his music he doesn't spend a lot of time talking about his music but again you know it's like 72 years in one book like you can only get so much in there um but i love elton john especially early elton john you know uh, my parents listened to him all the time when i was very young uh, so I actually was so confused when I heard the Beatles sing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds because I was like, this is an Elton John song because that was the way I had learned it. You know how kids get confused easily. Um, he's just so great. So this is called Me and it's by Elton John. 
I have a very small story about that, which is just that I, you know, I'm a, come from a Mexican American household. My parents are both immigrants, and I grew up listening mainly to music in Spanish, and I only spoke Spanish until I went to kindergarten. But the one artist that we definitely, or my dad, I should say, like played the hell out of was Elton John. So I knew like Spanish songs, <laughs> Spanish songs, Spanish songs. But then my like four year old butt was walking around singing Benny and the Jets or like the bitches back. Oop, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but <laughs> we uh, can we'll be okay. bleep it out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was like all I knew. And I just loved it to pieces um, from a very young age. Uh, but yeah. tacking onto the audiobook part, because I really do, I'm part of way through this book and it's so good. It's narrated by, I can't remember the name of the guy right now, but he is actually the guy that plays Elton in Rocket Man. Who oh, yes. I can't think of his name either. He plays <laughs> Eggsy in those. League. Right. I can't remember the name of those movies either, but he's great. And I didn't know he like he's not really a singer by training. He's an actor, but he did all of the singing and all like everything for the movie. And Elton, you know, gave him tips, and he's the one that narrates the book, which I thought was pretty cool. Who is it? It's, uh, Egerton. Um, yeah, I'm like Eggsy <laughs> something Egerton. Taryn Egerton. That's it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was watching an interview with him. I think he was on maybe the. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, maybe. And he was talking because I haven't seen the Rocket Man movie. Um, but I have seen the trailer, and there's this shot where he dresses up in Elton's famous, you know, baseball outfit yep. and stands on the piano, and he hits the ball out into the crowd. And I was like, well, obviously that's got to be, like, CGI or whatever. No! And he was saying that, yeah, like, he, they're like, we're going to throw the ball to you. And he's like, you know, I'm rubbish at hitting a ball. I don't <laughs> have any any practice at this. And they threw him the ball, and he hit it. That's the first time he hit it that you see in the film. Just like way out into yep. into the stands, which is amazing. It's a I, crazy I shot. It's really great. <laughs> I just assumed it was fake. No, so did I. And it, I know exactly what interview you're talking about. It's Seth Meyers, and he's like, "Yeah, I did it there in one go. shot." Okay. <laughs> you're like, "Okay, cool. <laughs> well, good for you," because I would not have. <laughs> ah, so good. But yeah, I, I love me some Elton, so I'm glad you're reading that one. <laughs> I will wrap it up now with my last pick, which is. A great middle grade book. It's Charlie Hernandez and the Castle of Bones by Ryan Calejo. So this actually is the second in the series. And in order to not spoil like too, too much about it, I'm going to tell you a little more about the first one, which is Charlie Hernandez and the, oh my God, League of Shadows. So Charlie Hernandez is a middle schooler, I believe. Yeah, that makes sense. Middle grade. <laughs> and he has grown up listening to stories by his grandmother uh, that are, you know, based in like Latin American mythology and lore, um, as I did as well. <laughs> so a lot of them are, you know, creepy creatures that are, you know, come get you in the night if you're not well behaved and don't pick up your, you know, clothes off the floor and do your laundry. And some of them are uh, more like animals and like shapeshifters, but he knows these stories are, you know, just, yeah, like the tales that are woven to get kids to, to be more well-behaved and that they're not really real. Except one day he starts to notice that he is going through some interesting bodily transformations. And by that, I mean that he sprouts horns one day and then they go away but then he sprouts feathers the next and then those go away and he soon learns that he is essentially a morphling and that many 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 of those stories that he was once told are actually real so he soon finds himself kind of caught in the middle of this big war between an organization that is sworn to protect like regular old humans and then an organization that wants to see them die and so it's this big fun romp adventure with his best friend Violet by his side. 
So that's essentially what happens in uh, the first book. And then this one picks up where that one left off. It's another really, really fun adventure with Violet, where somebody that they both know gets kidnapped and they have to go get her back. And I want, uh, it goes lots of places, but I do know that it also goes to Brazil, which I thought was really fun. I've said a thousand times every chance that I get that as a kid, I was such a voracious reader of all lots of fun, you know, fantasy things. And it just, it didn't hit me till I got older, how much I was missing and wanted to see a kid that looked or sounded or felt like me in these that was not just, you know, a white kid. (laughs) And I love that there's so many great authors that are coming out right now, um, Latin American authors that are doing that. And it's ones where like the cultural elements are definitely in there. Like clearly this one has a lot of Latin American lore and mythology, but it's not necessarily like the linchpin around, like it's not uh, an issue or like struggle book, which I was very much in the mood for. It's just a kid out there having adventures, doing magical fun things. And he is, you know, Latin American background. So, oh, love that. So, so, so much. It's a really fun series that I don't think gets enough hype. Um, So please look that one up. Um, So this one is Charlie Hernandez and the Castle of Bones by Ryan Calejo. First one is Charlie Hernandez and the League of Shadows. All right. I am done. All right. So those are our new books for the week. What are you going to read next? I am going to read Tiny Pretty Things, which is a book that's co-written by Danielle Clayton and Sana Cherapatra. That's like soapy ballet school fun. The tiny. Yeah. Can't wait. (laughs) It should be fun. It is. It's really good, and it's a, they're filming it as a TV oh, series. Oh, I know. That's why I figured it was time. Yeah, I am actually reading Ninth House Yay! by Lee Bardugo, which came out last week. Um, so I have to say, uh, while I own every book that she has written, I've only actually read her first book. Um, we did discuss at some point on the show how when I did the big cull of all my books in February, I found three copies of Six of Crows. <laughs> and I still haven't read it, uh, which is terrible. But I just knew that, like, she had a book for adults coming out in the fall, and everyone was super excited about it, and I did not have a galley of it, so I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll read it eventually. So I picked it up without reading a single thing about it, and wow, mm. what what a trip I was in for. Um, it's super dark yep. and super violent. And whoa, <laughs> I love that though. Um, just quickly, it's about a young woman who is given a scholarship to Yale, uh, even though she's a high school dropout because she has some magic in her. And she goes to Yale, and you learn about like the secret societies, and magic is real, and demons and evil, and all this stuff. Um, it's it's really really dark. Uh, I'm about halfway through it. Um, but I'm enjoying it. So I'm guessing that that you read it, yes? Oh, I did, yeah, and I loved it. And it's like, I cannot reiterate more times just because so many people I talk to are like, I mean, it's an adult, but it's like, it's Lee Bardugo. I'm like, no, run for the hills. Do not give this to teens. Yeah. It is not that kind of book. It is dark. It is great. It is, lo- oh, I sucked it down in like two days, but it is not <laughs> like a middle grader YA by any stretch. Yeah, I was reading a little bit. Um, she had a great interview, I think, with Vulture recently about um, there was some big kerfluffle on Twitter where everyone, like, not everyone, obviously, but <laughs> a lot of people wanted there to be, like, trigger warnings included, like, in the front of the book, which is something that they never ask of, you know, Stephen King. Exactly. You know, like, double standards and, and all this. And, um, I mean, definitely trigger warnings. It's it's very bloody and very violent. Um, and, and awful, awful, awful things happen. Um, but, you know, if, if you're going to do it for one, you got to do it for everybody, I think. 
Exactly. Oh, it's so good, though. It's so, so good. I loved it. Well, that is all for today. Thank you to our sponsors for helping us keep the lights on. Uh, you can reach us. You can drop us a line and tell me how much you love it when I talk about audiobooks uh, at allthebooks at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Vanessa is Buenos Dias SD on Instagram. That's B U E N O S D I A Z S D. And I am Friends and Comes Alive on Instagram. Uh, if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more scary, violent books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy reading. reading.